0: Um, let us know and we'll get that stuff to you. Hopefully you took the time to look at it. And from the book of Colossians, we, we know that uh, it's talking a lot about the supremacy of Christ. Thank you, Brother Day. Uh, and thank you, Sister Linda. Uh, the supremacy of Christ, Christ being supreme. And Paul is talking to a group of Christians in Colossae. And uh, he's sending them a letter trying to fortify the faith that they had. And the reason he's trying, there's some more over there on that chair, but they, the reason he's trying to fortify the faith that they have is because there are other people coming in preaching other doctrines. There are other people coming in preaching other things, and the grace of God is supposed to be preached, um, but other people are beginning to put things on top. Does anybody know what the definition of religion is? Anybody know what that definition is, a formal definition in plain, plain English? Anybody? That what is the the formal definition of re- religion? Formal godliness, is but denying the power of That's a biblical definition. Use the Bible to answer, but but uh, that that's it. He said a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. But that is exactly right. Um, religion is man's attempt to become right with God, and whether you go to Judaism or Buddhism or whatever the case may be, or other religions. Man is always trying to find a way to make himself right with God. The problem is, is that you cannot make yourself right with God. It has to be God himself because all our righteousness is but what? Filthy rags. We cannot make ourselves right with God. We need a savior. But the wonderful thing is that because we cannot make ourselves right with God, he gives us a free gift. And if we accept that free gift, it cannot be taken away. So we're going to start in Colossians chapter 2, starting at verse 16. And uh, we're going to read down a little bit. and You guys can read with me when they get it on the screen. Looks like they're working on some things back there, but that's quite all right. Colossians 2, starting at verse 16. I'm old school. I got it here in the Bible. I got it right here on the screen in front of me and I got it here. Hopefully I'll be able to see it somewhere. How about that? You guys ready? Let's read. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath. Let's keep going. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. Do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you Such a person also goes into great detail about what they have seen. They are puffed up with idle notions by their spiritual mind. We're going to stop right there for a second as we uh, peruse these passages. And for those who are listening by podcast or watching by YouTube, if you'd like uh, a copy of this study, we're glad to get it to you, um, that you'll be able to look at it so you can be interactive with us, too. We're looking at Colossians chapter 2, verses 16 to 23, and Paul talks to the Colossians. And he says, don't let men judge you. And he has five things he says, don't let men judge you by. Can anybody throw out any of them? You just read it. If you got your Bibles, what did he say? Don't let men judge you by what? By meat. What you eat. What else? What you drink. Celebrating the the holy days. The new moon. moon. And And the Sabbath day. She going to put everybody to shame. Everybody else is quiet. And Sister Bernice is over there just just spitting them out. And she went in order. How about that? <laughs> that? That's it. He's saying let no man judge you by what you eat, what you drink, festivals you celebrate or don't celebrate. Because what's happening is we talk about, number one, religion is man's attempt to become what? Right with God. So here Paul comes and tells them. That you are saved by grace through faith. That's the gospel, right? That's the good news that you're not saved by works. And here come these other people that say, yeah, but you got to do these other things. So he says, in other words, what you eat. The Jews had dietary laws. In other words, if you don't eat what we eat, therefore you aren't aren't a Jew and you can't be saved. Or if you don't drink what we drink or you don't follow our prescriptions, we control what you eat. We control what you drink. Um, You have to celebrate our festivals. And, And something that's very important here, he's not talking about the difference between right and wrong, but he's talking about a judgment of soteriology. Everybody say soteriology we'll say it real 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 simple for the people on on, on Facebook and YouTube say soteriology soteriology that is a study of salvation that's all that is that's a big word of salvation in other words who's saved and not who's not saved he's not talking about uh like we do in the popular culture only god can judge me and making excuses to live any kind of way and do any kind of thing that is not what paul is talking about what he is doing is le- saying don't let people put undue burdens on you that christ hadn't put on you for your salvation in other words i know you say you say but now you got to speak in tongues i know you say you say but you got to dress this way I- No, you say you say, but you have to do this and you have to observe this. And what you do is you put bondage back on people that Christ himself is what? Taking off. And he's saying, don't let those people judge you by those things or the new moon or the Sabbath. And the reason he does that is it's because those things are shadows. Everybody says shadows. We'll talk about that in just a second, but I'm going to ask the second question that why is it wrong to allow ourselves to be condemned because of these things? Why is it why is it wrong for us to allow other people to put these kind of condemnations on us? Can anybody tell us that? Why why is it wrong to allow people to try to burden us with rules and things like that? They're trying to put you under their customs. And there is a difference between Christ and the custom. A lot of things we do are not spiritual, they're cultural. Everybody says spiritual versus cultural. What, what's a good example of that? In other words, some people say if you don't listen to a certain type of what? Music. That's not God's music. So if you're not playing southern gospel, they won't worship to it because that's not godly music. Have you ever heard that? As if God, uh, from what I know, most of our modern genres of music are brand new in in the grand scheme of of an ancient earth. So it's kind of arrogant for us to say that God only approves of the music we like, doesn't it? So what happens in Africa where they don't have southern gospel? Or Asia where they don't have this type of music? Or, or in Arabia where they have different types of music? So wouldn't it be fair to say that God can work in all different types of expressions? And sometimes we have allowed um, those types of things to divide us and put burdens on people. And we'll 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 be quick to say that this type of music is not of God. I'll give you one. Christian rap. As soon as I said rap, somebody cringed. But who says God can't work through it? Because it's not your expression doesn't mean that it's not somebody else's and that God speaks to people in different what? Way. I know some Christian rap artists right now who are more theologically sound than a lot of the music that we listen to right now. It's a different type of music, but what will get missed is when we start to put our culture on Christianity and we try to determine what's culturally acceptable and and determine that that's the only thing that's what? Biblically acceptable. So Paul says, don't let men judge you by these things. Don't let men judge you because you like the Gaithers. Don't let, don't let men judge you because you like Lecrae. Uh, and and most, some people don't even know who Lecrae is. But, and, but see, that's the whole point of it, is that God can work in different types of expressions. And one, a lot of times, we put God in a what? We put God in a box. And therefore, we won't move and we won't try anything different because it works different than what we're what? Used to, and if it w- doesn't, if it's not sung the way we used to sing it, it's not done the way we do it. Um, or, or when I came up in the church, they used to have what you call a special. Uh, I don't know if anybody knows what a special is, but that's when somebody gets up and kind of does a solo before for the service and stuff. And like, we just don't do specials anymore. We don't do this, and the spirit just won't move in the church. No, the spirit's still moving in the church. That's something that you like. And if it works for you, that's great. But it's not okay for us to take what was good for us and put that burden on a different generation, is it? Now, it's not also good for a different generation to completely do away with it and ignore the people that it still worked for. We have to learn that we both work to what? together. So we sing a little bit of this, and we sing a little bit of that. We do a little bit of this, and what we can't do is say, I'm going to raise my hands when my songs come on, but when I don't know these words to these other songs, I'm not going to try. I'm just going to sit here and look crazy and and ruin the worship service. Because at one point in time, the songs that you know, you didn't, did you? You had to what? (laughs) Learn them. And you're never too old or what? To learn. Tell them, Sister Bernice sister. Benice whooping everybody in the room today. She got everything <laughs> going straight up, up and down. You see that? You're never too old to learn and what he's saying is don't let people put these things on you but in context he's talking about the Passover and the atonement, because these things, number one, they were a shadow of things to come. And number two, they were the real substance was to focus on Christ. These all of these things were to point ultimately to Jesus. But they took the expressions that were supposed to be pointing to Jesus and stopped worshiping and looking for the Messiah and started worshiping the expression. The best way I can say it is they got so caught up in the work of the Lord that they forgot about the Lord of the work. I'll say that again. They got so caught up in the work of the Lord that they forgot about the Lord of the work, and they began to worship, worship. They began to worship a type of expression, a type of sermon. Uh, uh, if the sermon's given this way or that, and if they didn't get it, well, then there was a point, and these people began to put their customs and their culture on other people, and God had not called them to what? Do that. Can y'all see that in the text? Um, he doesn't list circumcision in this but he does deal with it and like we talked about last week he talks about circumcision of your hearts he's just giving examples just like I just went through and went through several different examples don't let men judge you by this those are the things that came to him those are the major, some of the major tenets of Judaism what you eat, what you drink and these things like that but we know from Paul and his writings that he talks about circumcision and he says last week when we read he talks about the circumcision of your what heart And and so he's already kind of covered that what the Judaizers are going because there's several different false teachings that are going around. We talked about Gnosticism. Everybody remember Gnosticism? If I say that long enough, you'll you'll figure, figure out what that is. Gnosticism sounds like what? Knowledge. And that's what Gnosticism is. It's a basically a worship of knowledge. You need to have some mystic knowledge. You always got to have something else or you just can't be saved. You got to have the blood of Jesus miracle oil. I hope that ain't real. Somebody going to be offended or you got to do this and you got to follow these rules. But what he's doing is saying all of these things. Uh, none of these things save you, but they point towards what? Something else. So even when it's not mentioned, you can see it in the text in the example that he's given don't let men judge you by this or that because they're number one they're shadows verse 17 says this i'm gonna go over to verse 17 it says uh that uh uh, verse 17 says these are a what is it on the screen let's get verse 17 everybody let's read it together it says what these are a shadow of the things that were to come the reality however is found in christ in other words you're missing the point The point is not about the type of music. The point is about who the music is pointing what to. The point is not in the type of sermon, but it's in how the sermon... Two, you know, uh, one day uh, Brother Bob and I were working or doing something and and Brother Bob said, I just love preachers that preach like T.D. Jakes and do that little thing with the mouth and they do the hoop. And I said, hoop? And he said, yeah, I just love that. And and I have to admit, I was kind of shocked. I didn't even think. I was like, well, that's a different different expression. That's known in the Pentecostal circles and the African-American circles, a lot of type of preaching. Some people don't care for that. I don't I don't tend to do that that much. He says he wishes he could do it. Maybe one day we'll get you up here, Brother Bob, and you can, you, can, you can pull it a little bit. But at the end of the day, that's a different type. But what we do sometimes, if the word doesn't come to us the way we want, we'll what? Shut down. And we'll say he didn't preach, or that person didn't preach, or they didn't do a good job. But the word, the Bible says, as the dew comes from the heaven, so shall my word be. It shall not go out and what? Return void. So if the word is going out and it didn't do anything in you, it's not the word, it's the soil. So if the, you're saying, I'm not getting anything from the word, and the word is being preached, whether it's being talked, whether it's being sung, or however it is, there's nothing wrong with the person that's given the seed. It's something wrong with the what? Soul. So Jesus talked about the parable of the soul is like some fell on rocky ground and some fell on stony ground and different things. Different types of heart produce different things. The word functions differently depending on what kind of soil your heart's in. That's why one word can go out for somebody and it'll affect this person one way. It'll affect that person completely differently. You'll say the same word is going out, but why isn't this person being changed? And some people say, well, I'm leaving this church because I'm just not growing. It's not the person. It's you. If, if you're at a table and everybody eating the same food and nine babies are growing and one's not, it's not the food. But it, what it is, is not to get too far a point, he's saying that these things are a shadow and we need to keep our focus on what? Christ. Jesus Christ and him crucified. Let's go on to verse 18. It says, do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify for you for the prize. Such a person goes into great detail about what he has seen, and his un- unspiritual mind puffs him up with idols and notions. Now, what he's talking about is, is in, into those regards is they were using false humility and false spirituality. They were trying to pretend that they were spiritual. They did a lot of stuff to look like they were spiritual. They did a lot of stuff to act like they were spiritual. And they made you feel like you weren't spiritual enough if you didn't do this. I'll give you a perfect example. One person comes in and they pray for 15 hours. They get on this altar and they pray for 15 hours till all heaven comes down. And, 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 and they can, they're a heavy intercession. Then somebody else comes in. They pray for two minutes and leave. Who's more saved? They both saved aren't they? And not one is any more saved than the what? other. but we would tend to look at one as more what spiritual or more saved than the other. <laughs> but God sees them through the lens of the blood of his what Son as a minister and a leader and a pastor you always want your people it'd be great if everybody would come in here and during the prayer time and nobody cares about the person next to them and they sit down and everybody's praying the whole time but not everybody's on the same level and some some got stony ground some got this type of ground and all sorts of things everybody's on different levels and they grow at different times but it does not make you more spiritual just because you know more scripture it does not make you more spiritual because you have an appearance of humility. It does not. God looks at you the same way. There is no spiritual or unspiritual. There's two things God sees, saved and lost. Everybody says saved and lost. Saved and lost. That's it. You either saved or not. You either a sheep or you a goat. <laughs> That's it. Now, it's great if you have more spiritual maturity and God has blessed you by faith to faith, but that spiritual maturity doesn't make you any more special than any other what? Believe him. Because all of us in Christ's eyes, if it wasn't for the blood of his son, we are down here. It's his blood that what? Elevates us. Now, I'm grateful for my prayer warriors. I'm grateful for people who live a spiritual life, but it's not going to make you more saved if you take communion in this person. Now, one more bit. It's not going to make you more saved as you show up for every, every Sunday and this person comes every other Sunday. Now, it will show me how spiritually mature you are. It'll show me if you're a baby and you're a baby in the Lord, if you making an excuse every five minutes about why you can't come to church. I know you're a baby in the Lord. And you're not really growing like you need to grow. And I know there are some spiritual benefits that you might not get in on because you are not. The Bible said, I would give you meat, but you still on what? Milk. I will give you some deep spiritual truth, but I'm still trying to get you to come to search 52 weeks out of the year, or at least 48 weeks, or maybe 30, you know. And, and so Paul is saying we're dealing with those things, so don't let men judge you for these things. Don't get so caught up in rituals and religion and trying to be looking looking self-aggrandizing. Paul was not letting uh, says not to let suffering and extra doctrines threaten your freedom. Have you ever turned on the TV and felt like, I'm so not saved? Somebody get on TV and they, they seem so they got all these things about all these different feasts that you need to that that this happened on this and we got the blood moon for this and this and that and they go through all these things and right after they say, Buy my book <laughs> and I'm I'm working on the book, but that it's not gonna tell you to buy the book. But you get what I'm saying, that we got all these things, and you look at the TV and you say, Man, I wish I could be saved like that. They got it. They're no more saved than you are. We're all saved by the what? Same spirit. One Lord. One faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all, in all, and what? Through all. It, it, it's important for us to know. So he says, don't let them disqualify you for, pri- for the prize. In other words, you don't want to give up the grace of God by trying to have righteousness by works. It's the equivalent of somebody saying, Willie, I'm going to pay your house off, and then they go pay off my mortgage, and I take out a loan so I can pay it off again. My house, I own my house free and clear, didn't know anybody. Then I turn around and go get a mortgage on that house and then lose the house because I don't make the payment. That's the same thing as letting somebody put these burdens on you because Christ has said, and when he died on the cross, he used that word, tetaloestai. We say it is finished, but a more accurate talking of it or a more accurate interpretation of, it's accomplished. In other words, it's paid in full. Teterloistai is an accounting term, which means that the debt has been paid in full. So Christ has paid our debt in full, and sometimes religion will cause us to put other bondage on people that God didn't what? Put on them. For whoever the Son has set what? Free is free indeed. Is this helping anybody? So... Uh, What does Paul think about somebody like that who's putting these type of burdens on people in verse 18 and 19? Can can you tell me uh, what what he thinks of those people? The answer is in verse 19. Those type of people who put that bondage on you. Can anybody tell me? Let's read verse, uh, verse 19. They put it up there. You can read it and you, you can get the answer. It's an open book test. Um, so let, let's read it. What does it say? They have lost connection with the head from whom the whole body is supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews grows as God causes it to grow. So what Paul is saying is even though they're trying to seem spiritual, they're not even really connected to God. They've lost connection with the what? Head. They look spiritual. They act spiritual. But in all actuality, they what? They're not spiritual. So should should we be careful of how what we look at and what we deem is what? Spiritual. Should we learn not to judge books by their what? Cover. Now you know a tree by its fruit. You can judge a tree by its fruit. If the if the fruit is just wicked fruit, that's a different thing. But sometimes the most spiritual people are people who don't even look that what spiritual. Can anybody give me an example of that in the Bible? Jesus has a parable about that. Can anybody tell me what it is? The Pharisees. There you go the Pharisee and the publican. Jesus talks about a guy that comes in and he's, he looks good and he has this big prayer. Lord, I thank you that I'm not like these public this publican over here and I do this and I pay my tithes and I show up to church and I'm a good Christian and this publican robbed people and he's a thief and an extortioner. God, I'm going to heaven, but I know he ain't going to heaven. So to God, I thank you because I show up every Sunday. And here's the crazy part. That dude stops in the public and says, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. And guess what? God doesn't hear anything that the church person said. And what we know is the Bible says God hears not what? sinners. So he's in church and he's what? Lost. And the person that's on the street corner knows God better than the person that's in the what? I'm going to tell you, you're going to get to heaven and you're going to be surprised. You're going to be surprised when you get to heaven that some of the people that you're looking for They're not there. Some of us should be careful because we might be looking for ourselves and not be there. Paul says, lest I run and myself be what? Disqualified. So our focus should always be on Christ himself our focus should be on jesus christ don't let us don't ever get sidetracked off of the message of the gospel of jesus christ we can play all sorts of different type of music we can have all sorts of different type of programs and we do i, I want to encourage each one of you when we go out in january and Terry's doing those things for january uh that we all go out and we help do the do uh, feed the homeless and we go out and we help give blankets to the homeless and we pray for people and, and pray for their souls because that's ultimately why we're doing it. it does no good to give a man a blanket if you don't worry that his soul is saved so we're 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 doing this it's for for a purpose but your focus should always what be christ Amen? amen so verse 19 says he has lost connection with the head from whom the whole body supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews grows as god causes us to grow now look at verse 20 verse 20 is awesome let's read it together Since you died with Christ to the elemental spirit forces, spiritual forces of this world. Why, as though you still belong to the world, do you submit yourself to its rules? Ooh, that's packed. Can anybody tell me what he's talking about? Can anybody tell me what Paul means by that? When you've died with Christ. We talked about it a little bit last week, how we died with Christ, and when Christ died, we died with him. And he says, to the basic principle of, of this world. Can anybody tell me what those principles are? If not, I'll go ahead and give it to you. It's going to encourage you to study a little bit more next week. But it says, that principle is the principle of legalism that characterizes all human religions and false cults, man-made merit, reward, acceptance with God on the basis of one owns one's own work. In other words, and, and this kind of gets to what you're talking about, Sister War. For those who believe in Christ, they have died to this principle. In other words, you no longer have the pressure of trying to prove to anybody that you saved. I don't have to prove to you I'm saved. This swing me and who? Yeah, and you don't have a right to judge whether or not I'm what saved. Now you know a tree by its fruit. If I keep bearing bad fruit, that might mean that um, that, that, that there's something not there. <coughs> The Bible also says examine yourself to see whether you what? Be in the faith. But at the end of the day, I don't have to walk under condemnation of pressure trying to prove to somebody that I'm spiritual. I don't have to walk under condemnation trying to prove to somebody that I'm saved. I don't have to dress a certain type of way. I, I don't have to wear a suit and tie and a three-piece suit so you believe that God's anointing is on me. Because if God's anointing and approval is on me, it's going to be shown up in the what? Results. And so that's important for us to know. And it says, for those who believe in Christ, they have died to this principle. It can no longer touch them. God has circumcised off the body of flesh. Their human performance, Christ has rescued them from it. It is irrelevant. Everybody say irrelevant. Your, Your performance is now irrelevant. Now, you work because you're saved. You don't work to what? Get saved if you're saved and something's happened good works are going to produce because a tree is known by the what Good, the fruit is bare and the Bible says we're saved what unto good works we're saved unto good works which means that as we're saved it's going to produce some things in us which means that even if we get elderly or on an age there is no retirement plan in the kingdom be faithful unto what death It doesn't say be faithful to 62 or 65 or 67 or or 59 and a half or 55 when your pension kicks in. It says be faithful unto what? Death. (laughs) Which means that you are to serve God for the rest of your what? Life. In some capacity. You may not be able to run as fast as you could. So you might have to start walking a day early. But you're still required to walk. (laughs) You're still required to work for God. God requires you to work. You may not I may ask Brother Denny to build me something. Brother Denny may have been able to build that for me and, in 10 days. Now, it may take Brother Denny two months, but Brother Denny don't get to get off the hook if God's calling him to do that. Now, if God's not calling him to do that, that's something else. If I say, Brother Bob, we were doing, doing the stage, and Brother Bob said, I used to be, I could have knocked this out of this, and it took me this long. It don't matter as long as it gets done. We might have to wait a little while longer, but be faithful in what? Death. And guess what? He was faithful, and the men of the church have been faithful, and you see the works that are coming out of here. You may not, the old Mary, she ain't what she used to be, but she's Live. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? She's she's still working. And, and so whether you're young or old, there's significance for you in the what? Kingdom of God. That's it. Is this helping anybody? Yeah. Have praise the Lord. So we're going to look at um, down to verse 20. It says, since you died with Christ and the basic principles of this world, why as though you still belong to it, do you submit to his rules? Do not handle do not taste, do not touch. These are all destined to perish with use because they are based on human commands and teachings. Such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed, everybody self-imposed, say self-imposed. With their self-imposed worship, their false humility, and their harsh treatment of the body, but they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. Anybody know what asceticism is? I know I'm throwing these words out to you and I know you don't know the words. Why am I giving why am I giving you big words that you don't know? So when you leave Punishing here you're what? Yourself. That's it, that's what it is. Because I want you to what? Learn. Everybody say asceticism. I mean he brother brother Bob said it, say it again. Punishing yourself. Punishing yourself. Like Martin Luther, so people would uh, in Martin Luther's days, people would take whips and they would punish themselves enough to say they will suffer with Christ. Or here's 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 one. This is one that's often overlooked because we're big on talking about the prosperity gospel, but we're not big on down in the poverty gospel. Mm. God's not with you more because you're more poor. And some people would try to be poor and impoverished and take vows of poverty to think that will make them more what? Godly. But God had people on his camp that were rich and poor. He had poor people. He had Lydia and people that, that would help Paul that were business owners. So your godliness is not designed by your what? Bank account. Money is amoral. It is neither evil nor good. It is a tool used by people that are evil or evil. There is no good. None of good but God. I, I knew that's a trick question, but if you're you submitted to God, you'll become a steward of it. So a lot of times we only respect preachers if they what? Poor. Let a preacher walk up in a car that's nicer than yours and see what you think of that preacher. First thing we say is all he cares about is what? Money. How dare he drive in a Cadillac? How dare he drive in a Mercedes? But you're driving in a Range (laughs) Rover. But, but for other people, and yeah, and we won't digress too far from that. We don't want to get into possessions and things. But the point I'm trying to make is, God is not more with that preacher because he drives a raggedy car as opposed to he drives a good car. We should stop using certain things to qualify how godly people what are or how love, the Bible says that you shouldn't be a lover of money, it doesn't say you shouldn't have it, exactly. because you got to have it, guess what, to bless people with it, you have to be a conduit, you just have to be a faithful steward, what, over it, yeah. if you're a millionaire, great, but be a millionaire that stewards your wealth for the glory of the God, and not for your, for your what, for your own self, and for your own self-aggrandizement, mm-hmm. and so, and so don't let people get self imposed stuff on you and tell you what their vision of godliness should be. Yeah. blur the root of Yeah, that's true. And that's true. That's very true, Bob. People often say that m- money is the root of all evil and it's not. The love of money is the root of all evil. And people leave the faith because they love it. Demons demons and other people love things of the world, and they became lovers of it. In other words, they put it in the place of God. But if you put it in perspective, it can become a worthy tool. Why are we talking about this? Because that's something psychologically we put on people, right? We do. (laughs) We, 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 We don't trust people if we think they have too much money. We don't trust preachers if we think they got a nice house or a nice car or something like that. The first thing we say is, they're crook. We don't know that they have a job. <laughs> we don't know if they got this or that. We got that. We automatically, I saw something on, um, on um, talking about prosperity preachers, and I'm not into prosperity gospel, because yeah, I'm into the, the real gospel, but they were they were knocking this preacher for having having a nice parsonage, this, but this, this preacher has natural gas on his house. He's a millionaire. He's a natural millionaire. So it's not his fault (laughs) that he's rich. He just happens to be rich. But people use that and what they do is it becomes detrimental to the kingdom. They try to put burdens on people that God what doesn't. Just let people be who God called them to what? Be. And he has something to do for everybody in the what? Kingdom. So don't let people impose their ideas of what godliness is on what? You. But we do that, don't we? We judge people that we don't know. How many TV preachers have you judged just by a 30-minute sermon clip that's been edited? And you can tell me what all Brother So-and-so is about, and you don't even know Brother So-and-so. All he preaches is this. Shit. And he preached 52 sermons, 100 and some sermons a year, and all you did was watch a 30-minute second clip, and you start saying, well, all these preachers like this, this is all they care about. You haven't hardly listened to any of their sermons. You're saying you're not godly if you don't preach what I tell you to preach. Or what I think you, and, and every preacher's had that. I can't count the number of times across my, uh, across my career as a, uh, as a preacher that somebody has walked up to me and they said, here, I got to give you this pamphlet on this prophecy of this. This is what you need to be preaching. Jesus, this, they're about to do them there. Uh, this right here. They, they'll try to pull me to the side. Not, not just in this church, but just in places in general. This is, the, people aren't preaching this, and this is the real truth. This is what you need to be, you need to be preaching, and you need to preach this and this. It's 66 books in this thing. It's a lot of ground to cover. (coughs) But people will tell you you need to preach this. And if you just Mm -hmm. only preach that, that's not gonna help you. You gotta do this. You gotta preach this, you gotta preach that. Don't be preaching this and that. Well, the Bible has to be what? Rightly divided. You can't divide something that doesn't have more than one side. Wow. Now all sides are truth. (laughs) But there are more aspects the Bible than just what we make it and sometimes because we have a unilateral vision we we miss out on some of the blessings that God has God has some things and promises for us in his word and we do not receive them because we've allowed the world to tell us it's wrong wrong to receive them there's some things do you know right now that it's God can heal but there are some people that will not receive healing because they don't they think it's wrong to ask for healing Seriously, they, they believe that God no longer heals people as if God took a, a vacation starting at the year zero A.D. God can still heal if he chooses to what? Heal. Miracles happen all the time. Yes, there you go. I'm the same What? Yesterday, today and forever. If he healed then, he can heal yesterday, today and forever if he provided then he can provide what yesterday today and forever if he redeemed he can redeem what yesterday today and forever so but a lot of people try to put and what they'll do is they'll try to attack you when you don't believe like they what believe and what paul is saying don't let people put those undo what burdens on you there's different camps of Christianity. Some people are what you call continuationists, which means they believe that the gifts of God are still, still in effect. There are some people that believe that they're what you call cessationists. They believe that the gifts of God are still out of effect. But here's the thing, whether they are or not, or whatever you believe, if you believe that Jesus died on the cross, he's the son of God, he died for your sins, and you accept that sacrifice, both of them are saved. One of them wrong, but, but both of them are what? Saved. But we'll allow small things to what divide us. Is Christ divided? Why do people say, "I'm Apollo, I'm Apollo, so I'm of this denomination. I'm of that denomination. Why don't we just depend on the word of what God? Amen? Hallelujah. He says, "Such regulations, indeed, verse 23, have an appearance of wisdom. They look wise. Many people who have these arguments, they can—they are trained. They can, pr- if they believe that the gifts have ceased, they have an argument that they've been trained theologically to pair it out without ever thinking about anything. And if you challenge it, they'll get angry. Those who say the gifts have continued. Uh, um, they, they have an argument for that those who say you can lose your salvation those who say you can't so there are some that are Calvinist that say you can't lose your salvation once saved all saved there are some that are Arminian that say you can lose your salvation and things like that and each one of them have learned their arguments to the T and they sound good only one of them is true though <laughs> but if both of them are saved it really doesn't matter does it we spend a lot of time arguing over stuff that really doesn't what matter while there are people dying and going to hell. I do know one thing. That if you give the gospel to somebody and they accept it, they're saved. So whether or not, instead of us arguing in the body of Christ on who's saved and who's not, let's go and do what Jesus said. Let's go into the hills and the highways and the hedges and compel men to what? Come. i let Jesus sort them out. i let Jesus determine who is and who isn't. He said, let the wheat and the what? Tell grow together. It's not my job to determine who's the wheat and the tare. You know why? Because they look just the same. (laughs) You really can't tell until you throw them up and the wind blows and one's going to drop because it's heavy and the other one's going to float off. The chaff's going to go off. Our job is not to qualify somebody's salvation. Our job is to make sure we give the gospel as many times as possible in our lifetime to as many people so they can accept it and accept Jesus Christ. If they don't accept it, that's their what? Responsibility. My, my dad used to sing this song all the time when I was young. He said, you only have one life to live. Take your time. He says, if I fail to live and my soul is lost, nobody's what? Fault but mine. I have a Bible I can read. I have a Bible I can read. If I fail to read and my soul be lost, nobody's what? Fault but what? Mine. They have the responsibility of receiving the call, but we have the responsibility of presenting the gospel. Amen? So, we go into that, that those things don't make us, what? Spiritual. So, somebody tell me what these rules are based on then. If they're not based on on the Bible, what are these rules based on? Wow. They make some man's what? What they think. So, could it be that we've divided the body of Christ because of what somebody's opinion is of the word, rather than taking the time to pray and to rightly divide the word and to study the word and to search the scriptures, to search out, that there are a lot of people that could come together, but we're separated because of people's what? Opinion. How many churches do you know that have broken up because somebody painted the church a certain color? <laughs> Sounds stupid, but people do that. I don't like this color. I'm not coming back. Or they had something that was put up in the church back in the days and, and now you took it down and now they, they can't serve God because, oh Jesus, the Lord that left the church. Oh. You see how silly and infantile that is? But people do it all the way. And they'll kill the, the, the message of Christ and Christ working through there and cause division in a church over oh, some as silly as what color the walls are painted. Who cares? or what picture is on the wall, who really cares? Is that really important? No. If your children were fighting over something like that, you would spank them, wouldn't you? But adults fight over that and say, I'm going to take my ties and go home. And we take the time to actually give them credence to that instead of saying, grow up. That's silly. Everybody say, that's silly. that's silly. We don't have that here, thank God. We've been able to accomplish a great bit of stuff. So if some somebody is that petty, they they keep their mouth closed about it, and I thank you for it. God bless you <laughs> yeah yeah and 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 if you want to do that, that's fine, but don't make it the law. That says that God can't move if you don't have this. If you don't have this certain picture or this, this certain flag or this certain emblem up here. where well, then God's not moving. That's not God. Those are men's what? And what he says is that we make the grace of God then what? No. Wow. Those brains are turning about things that you've, you've seen across the years. And now the wheels start clicking as to why some churches and many times the church has not grown the way it has because we bickered over things, the church at large, over things that really in the grand scheme of things really didn't what? Matter. The whole purpose was to bring people to Christ. Not whether or not you sing my song. Not whether or not this person was on this committee or that person was on that committee. I'm not going to serve because this person does all that. All that stuff shows up to people who are what? Childish. You know what I'm saying? And they're, they're getting some things together back there for me. I guess they're, they're having a little audio issues. Uh, that's probably my, my mic. But those things are based on opinion. So Paul gives a description of these. What does he say about these things? What does he say these things are? I ri- wrote down one sentence. I want to see how close it is. What are these opinions and rules? What, what, what would you call, call them? Burdens on men. I got a simple one. They are a poor attempt to run your life. They are a poor attempt of people to try to run your life and tell you what to do. And most of the people who are trying to run your life, uh, and I say this in general, at the church in general, we, we have a loving church praise Jesus. I'm gra- grateful for that. But a lot of people trying to run your life and control yours because they don't have any control in theirs. That My old spiritual mentor would tell me a lot of times, generally the deacon that wants to run everything at the church because he can't run nothing at home. He can't run nothing at home. He don't run nothing in the, his house but the water and the vacuum cleaner. That's all he run. <laughs> but he want to come to the church and run everybody into what? That doesn't work. And, and so we have to make sure that we're aligned up and don't allow ourselves to put undue burdens on people because the whole purpose of Christianity is freedom and liberty, right? So don't allow people to make us bound. Does that make you a little bit free? Take a little bit of anxiety from you? Pressure to perform? Sometimes you can't, you don't have a freedom to just be your what? Self. Trying to prove to somebody else what you should be. I've seen situations in churches where people will fall out because the lady had pants on. Or if I walked into somebody's pulpit, now if that's their rule, you, you use sense, you don't go into somebody else's pulpit, everybody's wearing suits, and you just dress like this just to antagonize people. But there are some people that if I preached in this hooded, not in this church, but in the world, they would swear that God wasn't with me. Rules. That make the grace of God a what, null effect. So as we finish today, and I hope this study has been effective, um, and things like that. For those that are listening by podcast, if there is audio issues, I apologize for those. But this is a study, and I want you guys to go back and study these things, and you're going to get them again Sunday. I won't see you again before Christmas, so I want you to have a wonderful Christmas. Well, Christmas Day. Remember the reason for the season. And then we'll convene back again on Sunday, the day after Christmas. What better way to celebrate Christ than to come in the day after and have a party in his honor. And so and that's what we very well intend to do. Is this helping you guys? Are you learning anything? I want you to do something when when I give you these and I use words. I'm using theological terms that I know you don't know, and I'm doing it on purpose because I want you to write it down. <laughs> and I want you to go research it. <laughs> and I want you to figure out he said soteriology. What is soteriology? Anytime you see ology it's just the study of whatever that word was. So you have christology would be the study of what? Christ. Very simple. Pneumatology. Pneuma means wind, the breath, the study of the Holy Spirit. Soteriology is the study of salvation. <laughs> Theology, The study of God. I want you to look up these words like Gnosticism and Asceticism. I'm not just throwing them around to sound academic. What I'm trying to do is to challenge you to go what? Deeper. Then to study a little bit more. Not just so you can be puffed up, but as you, uh, as you learn more about something, intimacy increases. So if you want to be more uh, inti- intimate with God, look at that. She put them up there. Let's look at that one. Uh, Haley put them on the screen. Let's start with that one. Let's, let's read that for the screen and for the people that listen. What does it say? Asceticism. What is it, what's the definition? Severe self-discipline and avoidance of all forms of indulgence, typically for religious reasons. Somebody said, I never knew that word exists. Go to the next one. Whoever's there in the back. Gnosticism. There it is. A prominent heretical movement of the 2nd century Christian church and 1st century. partly of the pre-Christian origin. Gnostic doctrine taught that the world was created and ruled by a lesser divinity, the demurge, and that Christ was an emissary of the remote supreme divine being, esoteric knowledge, and whom enabled the redemption of the human spirit. So that's what Gnosticism is. You might have to go get a dictionary and study all that out. Go to the next one if you have another one up there. Those are the two that I have are put up there. We know what uh, Judaism is. It's, a, uh, it's where Christianity is derived from. Um, but there's a word called G- Judaizer that I, I was going to have them put on the screen. And what a Judaizer is is a person that was making people have to live under the law. In other words, you've got to go back and be circumcised. So is this helping you guys? I want to do this to where it's helping. If you're listening by podcast, I encourage you to get this, get into Colossians, study it. I know it's, it's not what you're used to. I know you, it, be, it, it could be a, a different way, but this is on my heart to do this this way so that we start learning and so people can find a place just to learn the Bible, uh, just to know what the Bible says. Amen? Amen. Any questions? If I had a present, I'd give it to, to Sister Wolf there. You you just popped out with all the answers and stuff. I I like that. I like that. I like that. Uh, I'm encouraging all of you to do that and, and to learn. Uh, yeah. Yes. No wonder, after all this study, Christ said to the Pharisees, he said you would put so many burdens on other people that you yourself will not live with your little fingers. Mm-hmm. That's it. Because God gave the law. He gave the law and there were ten, basically 10 commandments in Exodus 20. By the time Jesus gets there, the Pharisees were well-meaning, but there were more than 444 different laws. Can you imagine that? You have to 444 laws a day and can't break one of them. That's crazy. That's why Jesus says, Hey, if your camel had fell in the ditch, would you not get it out? You hear the word Sabbath day's journey. It's because there was only so far you could walk on the Sabbath before it was considered work. So after you walk these many steps, you just stuck. You got to wait for somebody to get you, I guess. <laughs> Come get you, I guess. But that's, that's how crazy it had gotten with rules and regulations. Now, the other, the other side of the corn is when people get to the point where they don't have any rules and regulations and they throw caution to the wind and they live any kind of way they want. God didn't want that either. Shall we continue in sin that grace abound? God forbid. That is a term called hyper grace. In other words, that or cheap grace, uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer would say, is that where we know that we're going to be forgiven for stuff, so we just live any kind of way? I don't, uh, I would question. I tell you to examine yourself if that's the, that's the try, way you're going to try to live. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't want to try that. I'm not going to try that. That's dangerous. Uh, <laughs> but we have to have balance. Everybody said balance. The Christian life is about balance. God made, he separated the light from the dark, didn't he? He, There's balance. And and God, there's things in the world that God God doesn't want evil in the world. But he sent his son, just like there's evil, there's what? Good. And evil's not there for balance. Evil's there because men's hearts are wicked. And and say disobey. But God tells us to rightly divide the word of truth. What's that? That's that same word. Balance. Don't go overboard. Read it for what it says. Pray about what it says, and don't add to it. Bible says, don't add what one jot nor tittle to it. Don't add your don't add your opinion to it, because you're gonna mess it up every time. Mm-hmm. Don't take. That's it. Jot or tittle. Don't ta- add or take anything away. I want to thank you guys for your time. I don't know how I did with our, our clock there. Uh, but it says zero. So that, that's all my time. And I'm, I'm, I'm through anyway. I've really enjoyed talking to you guys. And hopefully uh, you've gotten something from this. And this has been enriching. Uh, I know it is for me. I, I get excited about about doing this and just being able to teach the word and go with the word and make real life examples. Uh, any uh, is, are there any other comments before we close? Yeah. type of people, but Paul's calling the people that are trying to reach God, you know, have a, a relationship or, or find salvation on their own accord, and all these rudiments of, you know, and these ordinances, as being from the world. Yes, that's it. He's calling them worldly. Yeah. He's calling church people worldly. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, so I just think that's it. Yeah. This is, this is people that are the church, mm-hmm. You know? It is, and what does worldly mean? It means of the world right. or the world systems, and we go right back to the first primary question: What is man? What is religion? Man's attempt, the world system, to become what? Right with God. Wow. So you mean Christian? Some Christian people can be just as worldly as outside people, and look good, but they still what? Paul calls them carnal Christians, doesn't he? The word carnal means meat-minded. is from the head, so I would call them meatheads. That's what i call them. <laughs> <laughs> they look spiritual, but they're not. The warmly, but they, look spiritual. they do. They, they have a form of godliness, but they deny, as Brother Bob said, the power thereof. I'd rather have the power and negate the look than have the look and not the power. I really wish we could have the chat with the people that are on here so they could ask and answer questions, too. <laughs> but those are great questions uh, and good, good things for us to discuss. As you think of things, give give us a call. Let's, let's chat about it. We're going to be looking at Colossians. I believe we're going to start at Chapter 3 next time. Let's pray. Uh, Father, thank you for this wonderful conversation, Lord God. Uh, thank you for, for these interesting thoughts that are being sparked uh, and, and for the participation that's coming, that we can lean on one another, God, and be taught your word, God. And, and that you can use us, Lord God, uh, by your grace um, to learn your truth. And I pray in the name of Jesus that this will not go on deaf ears, that this will help somebody. And Lord, I know it had not been done uh, like Paul would say with excellent let of speech, but we didn't do it on purpose for that. We want it done just so people will get the word, that they won't pay attention to how dynamic the production is or pay attention to uh, uh, um, how how word- pithy our quotes are, God. But that they'll just get the unadulterated word, unadulterated word of God, and you'll get the glory. Now, I ask you to bless these, your people. We pray a special prayer uh, for the McLaughlin family right now in the name of Jesus. Keep them, Lord God, and we pray your healing virtues on all those who need healing. And we'll give you praise and thanks. In the name of Jesus, we do pray. Amen. 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 You are dismissed.